warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. the Robotania podcast, a very British podcast about very British movies, with just a hint of professionalism. Good morning, Scott here. This week, it is a Hammer episode, so along with my usual co-host, Stephen, good morning. Morning. We have Mark, hello. Hey, hey, hey. All ready to go? <laughs> yes, but it just seems ages since we've been together. Oh, it didn't seem that long to me. Did it not? Oh, bless you. Bless you. <laughs> <laughs> time, time flies when you're enjoying yeah, not uh, podcasting with us. He got up this morning and thought, oh, God, I've got to talk to those two again. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to say, I've kind of been locked away for another podcast that did this massive re- watch of all the horror films made in 2022, and it <gasps> turned out there was 50-odd. So oh. I've been kind of doing that for the longest possible time. Oh, some good, some bad? A lot of good, a really good year. Yeah. I'd say 10% were bad, so which is really good, good batting average for any yeah. year. Yeah. Surprising. Yeah, some amazing ones too. Okay, let's go straight into this. I tried to find a trailer. There is a trailer out there, but it's all music. It's a very dramatic trailer, two minutes long, but it's all just dun 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 and like captions coming up and stuff like that. So I'm going to find a decent bit of dialogue to insert here. We'll be back after this. Listen to the beat of your heart, Marianne. You hear the beat of fear within you? Fear that will rise to a shattering crescendo of terror. You have strayed into a world of evil, where frightened people are held in the grip of unearthly horror. Beware of pity for the handsome prisoner in the Castle Meister. Beware of love, for in your heart is only the pulsating throb of terror. Starring Peter Cushing, as the doctor locked in mortal combat with overwhelming evil. (laughs) Also starring Frida Jackson as Greta, who served the vampires with insane loyalty. (laughs) You needn't be afraid, she's dead. Martita Hunt, the Baroness victim of her own son. Beautiful Yvonne Morlore, France's latest sex kitten, as Marianne, whose beauty was her passport to the twilight world of the undead. David Peel as the Baron, blindingly handsome. Yet his kiss transformed the most beautiful girls into monsters. (laughs) 
Okay, it's our Hammer movie, The Brides of Dracula, released in the UK 1960, directed by Terence Fisher, written by Jimmy Sangster, and starring Peter Cushing, Martita Hunt, Yvonne Monlaw, David Peel, and some other famous faces such as Miles Mallison pops up amongst some of the supporting cast, and the Ripper is in there. The Ripper! Well, yes, he's in there. <laughs> It's amazing how we get excited over that. <laughs> not, so not Peter Cushing, but Michael Ripper. Uh, <laughs> the plot. A young teacher, on her way to a position in Transylvania, helps a young man escape the shackles his mother has put on him. In doing so, she innocently unleashes the horrors of the undead once again on the populace, including those at uh, school for ladies. Luckily for some, Dr. Van Helsing is already on his way. Let's get yeah. this out of the way first of all. Brides of Dracula. No Dracula, no brides. Nah. No, no, no. It was originally, gonna be, I think, going to be called something like Disciples of Dracula, which yeah. would have made much more Dracula's sense. Dracula's Disciple, yeah. Yeah, something like that. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But having said that, it's same vibe as the first film. I mean, yeah. Van Helsing's, the, you know, they can't call it Van Helsing, I guess. Mm. So what are they going to do, right? Yeah, but well, yeah, the uh, link it was is also there. had the working title Dracula 2. So they could Dracula just... 2. Did it? Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> Dead, dead and loving it. No, that's funny. <laughs> I have to say, right from the off, I've watched this film many times, and I d- did a bit more digging than usual. Um, okay, yep. which is some digging is what I'm to mean. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the actual original opening narration is mm-hmm. by George Melly, the jazz is guy writer, <laughs> George Melly. Who is got a relation in this movie as well? We'll come Andre to that. Andre Melly, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, you said it. You put it in blue. Ah. <laughs> and I did not know they were brother and sister either. I, no, I, let's, let's get out of the way. I knew they were because Andre Melly was Tony Hancock's girlfriend in season three and four, I think it was, of the original yeah. Hancock's yeah, yeah. Half Hour. That's right. She appeared yes. in a few Benny Hills. Um, yeah, she was very, she wasn't like a, Hell's like a Hills Angel no. type of nose. She was like an interviewer. She was yes. like the straight man in interviews. Yeah. Um, straight woman, I mean, in interviews. Uh, like so, Fred and she was very good. Yeah. She was very yeah. good. Yeah. And a long time she appeared on Just a Minute as well for a long, long time in the 70s. But yeah, that's still George Melly's sister. But George Melly does the opening narration. Yes. But they're talking about, back. you know, um, talking about the cult and stuff like that, Ooh. which I'd never like because it isn't a cult, is it? It's a. No. It's not a belief system. It's a, you're actually a different thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a very severe illness or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, disease, um, a disease of the blood. <laughs> Bloodborne disease. Yeah. Um, I think I'd seen it, but nothing in this movie was familiar apart from the Andre Melly part where she turns into the vampire because that's quite iconic. That's used mm. quite often, that scene. Yeah. And it was sort of like a first time watch for me watching it last night. And for something that isn't really spoken about as much as some of the other hammers, I think, I'm going to say this is top tier for me so far out of what we've covered so far because it looks like a Hammer movie. It's almost vampire movie by numbers. There's nothing over the top or anything out of the ordinary in this, apart from the fact that there is no Dracula. You've got to get used to seeing this other guy in the lead role. But, you know, there's the comfort that Peter Cushing's in there amongst some of the other famous Hammer faces. You, you guys have seen this a couple of times, haven't you? Well, Mark, you've seen it a fair few, haven't you? Oh, it must be at least half a dozen times. At least. Fair yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is my favourite Dracula film just coming out. Oh. Uh, sorry, uh, Hammer Dracula film. 
Mark, let's qualify that. Hammer Dracula film. Even though Dracula's not in it, this is yeah, my favourite. Of, of that's all interesting. Of them. And, I, and there's some other really good ones. Don't get me wrong. There Ooh. are some other really good ones, but this is my favourite. I think I just really like how Van Helsing conducts himself. Yes. And some of these shots and, and things like that. Yeah, so uh, I think this is a strong entry. Even though it takes a while to get warmed up, we don't see Van Helsing for the first half hour, at least, right? There's um, nothing, no vampire activity at all, is there, for the first no, act? You know, uh, just... And there's several reasons I like it, as well as Van Helsing, uh, but as we go through the plot, I'll talk about that. Okay, Stephen, you must have seen this before, haven't you? I have a couple of times, but when I came to watch it the other night, I couldn't remember really anything in advance on it. As it mm. was progressing, it was bringing it back to me, that I'd seen this, you know, that scene or, or that, that bit. Came back. Agree with the assessment. There's a, a, a real strength in this. Uh, it's you know it's a steady uh, thing in, in in certain aspects, but I think it's quite well scripted and uh, mm-hmm. some of the some of the dialogue. There's one or two little bits where there's just a, you know a throwaway couple of of words here and there that just seem to make it more considered or more subtle in in some respects that um, that really impressed me. So maybe not favourite Dracula film but certainly a favourite vampire film um, I can concur that there is a real strength to this that I think is overlooked compared to the others there was only really you know one real weakness in it which I'll come to later on but otherwise okay. it, was a, it was a strong strong showing absolutely but it looks magnificent doesn't it those sets I mean we must have come across those sets in previous Hammer productions but it just looked the, I mean I'm colourblind you guys know that but the colour palette on this is probably over the top oh yeah know? the Technicolor wonderful but it's beautiful isn't it yeah Yeah. and it's a it's a really great looking film and as Stephen said some of the flourishes in the script as well there's like four people credited or uncredited that wrote the script it was Jimmy Sankster Peter Bryan Edward Percy and Anthony Hines has chipped in as well so you're going to end up with a decent plot do you think that Lee was originally slated to be in this I'm not sure mm. actually I've never been sure Um, I just feel like the structure would Dracula doesn't fit in this uh, except maybe as a cameo uh, because they talk about him going to see Dracula and that's how he became a vampire right Mm. because the mother encouraged it so he wouldn't be a main character if he was in it I don't think he was originally this was going to be a direct sequel and they were going to be having him in it and then trying to scale back to just having a, a cameo but he refused to, to do it did Lee because of the fear of typecasting you know weirdly and um, so it, it went through lots of reiterations with rewrites and the whole disciples and brides and the script seemingly got you know overhauled multiple times from the point at which they originally decided to do the film to to when it actually, and even when they were on set, apparently they were rewriting bits and pieces as they were going along. Uh-huh. So yeah, so originally they wanted to have Lee in it to capitalise on previous success, but he refused. So that's where they tried to find various methods to get around it. And the disciples bit was somewhere they went, but then they decided that no, um, the brides was uh, was more of a selling point. Mm. Uh, but fortunately, just gloss over the fact that he wasn't in it. But they still tried to get with a cameo. <laughs> um, but as you say, he, he, you know. He didn't end up in it, unfortunately, and I think... Uh, yeah, uh, OK. It's the only thing that might have added to it that I think was perhaps something on a wish list uh, to have had some mm. cameo, maybe. But would Yeah, I mean, have... he could have turned up at the end, maybe, you know, or something like yeah. that, possibly. Uh, I mean, you talk about the rewriting as it was going on. That explains... There's one quite major structural weakness in this, which is the unexplained amnesia of the lady. <laughs> that, that is kind of, what, what, what? 
It's like she doesn't remember anything. It's so weird. Um, but presumably that's a vampire's influence without the vampire seat show. No seem to sort of suggest that, which is a bit odd. She's the only weak point in this for me. I mean, bless her, English is her second language and yeah. it must be difficult and the acting does come across as a bit stilted. But even then, like you said, the amnesia part, the fact that she readily accepts his proposal of marriage, you know, knowing what he is or, you know, the fact that she's only just unshackled him from a wall, you know, it, there, there are a couple of bits. Yeah, I don't know. That, that do she's, she's. Out. I mean, she looks the part, definitely, yeah. and she's she's got a touch of the Bridget Bardot about her as well, uh, in the way she's very similar her face. Um, and she's. I think she was all right. Uh, you know, I accept her acting wasn't top tier, but I thought it was fine. And the the real actor here is probably. Peter Cushing, right? Uh, but average, no, that's not quite true. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things about this film I really like is the very strong female performances. Um, yes. Particularly Greta, Freda Jackson as Greta. Uh, but Martita Hunt as the mother was really good too. One of the reasons I really like this film is one of the strongest female roles in All of Hammer. There's a couple of other films where there's some strong female roles, but this is a particularly strong one, Greta in particular. Can we talk about Freda Jackson who plays Greta? <laughs> I think she was really Really, almost the star of the movie. She yeah, almost yeah. eclipsed Peter Cushing. Yeah, she almost derailed the whole movie because she was <laughs> so good, right? I had to look up Frida Jackson's CV after watching this because I thought, I, I know that face. You know, why isn't this woman more famous to me? Why, why, why hasn't this woman been acting in everything I've seen before? Because she was absolutely brilliant in this. Clash of the Titans, 1981. <laughs> yeah, great, great Ray Harryhausen film, right? Probably the only movie I've been to the cinema twice in the same week to see. You know, the three witches that share the eye? Yeah. She's one of the witches. She's one of the witches, yeah. But she's great. She is a brilliant actress in this. And as you just touched upon there, to have Martita Hunt, you know, that great stalwart of British stage and screen, Miss Havisham, you know, the ultimate Miss Havisham that everybody remembers, hamming it up, you know, in this and agreeing to go into vampire makeup and stuff like this. I I think that was a great coup for the movie to have somebody like that in it. Yeah. I think despite your acting and not, you know, you're not meant to be uh, showing yourself, you're meant to be showing the character. I think there was elements where you could see that she was enjoying herself to be fair it it peeked through the character to show um, her her real self uh, actually enjoying this just um, not just another acting gig this was on the um, different scale to what she uh, was yeah but she was just enjoying it just probably had a bit of fun doing it exactly exactly, yeah yeah Yeah. talking of fun every time you see Miles Mallison turn up in a movie you're expecting this I don't know it, it to develop into some sort of comedic sort of angle but he plays it fairly straight in this does he does he there's an element of Miles Mallison I can add your speciality to my fee is that alright with you and all that sort of stuff but it's, it's not like I don't know room for one more inside or anything so, like so that so it's, it, it's straight for Miles Mallison rather than yeah. straight yeah yeah it's not Miles Mallison hamming it up it's Miles Mallison doing a Miles Mallison yeah fairly reserved I think I mean I was expecting it to get a bit more overblown when he appeared but he didn't well him um, and Cushion are the only two people that appeared in Dracula previously he was in Dracula wasn't he of course he was that's where we saw him wasn't he so, but yes yeah, as you say seeing him in, you just know you're going to get a bit of a turn and it's going to be a, a, a <laughs> smile um, at the, the caricature that he plays mm. so it's always a bit of a joy there no matter whether he's a playing a vicar or playing a judge or playing, you know, whatever he, the archetypes he always seems to play. Um, it's, it's always worth seeing him bumbling yeah. around. 
Yeah. Baron Meinster. Let's talk about, you know, the Dracula replacement here. David Peel, completely unknown. The guy had only appeared in several sort of TV productions before this. I'm pretty sure he retired two or three years later. Yeah. And what a state agent. Was he the state agent? Is that where he became? He came in a state agent, and I think, you know, that probably maybe better befitted his acting (laughs) talents. He's, he's the weak, he's the weakest link in the entire film, in my opinion. Him uh, doesn't, well, just doesn't sit right with you. Do I just you didn't think he was a very, I didn't think he was a very good actor, and I don't think he had the presence. Certainly, the downside if we had had Christopher Lee make a cameo in it, it would have really even more overshadowed the fact that there wasn't the same gravitas to David Peele. Yeah. Playing a, a, a vampire count, really. He probably tried his best, but I don't think he, he, he had a lot to live up to. And maybe it would be kind to say that. Just looking something up, how old would Christopher Lee have been in 1960? 37, 38? Yeah, he was born in 22. There we go. Okay, so 38. David Peel was 39 when he made this. Wow, I didn't look it. No. And then when I thought, oh, that's a bit old. But then I thought, no, because Christopher Lee must have been round about that sort of age as well. But David Peel was like, he turned 40. He about 20. 25. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was okay. I, I mean, he wasn't a great actor, but I thought he was okay as the vampire. I've seen much worse in some of the Hammers when they've tried to do certain actors as vampires. Well, maybe not Hammer, but this era kind of stuff. So I thought he was okay, and it it kind of worked for me. But the we- the women were the strongest element of the that side of the bad side, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they should have just really maybe left it and, and maybe gone a bit more down the Kernstein type thing that did later on, particularly yeah. since they already had a school involved. Um, a girls' school came into yeah. it. So, you know, I like the girls' schools, mil- don't I? They decided, they decided <laughs> to milk, milk that one later on. But yeah, I think maybe they should have just maybe took a, a whole situation of having a, a, a count um, entirely out of the situation and just, you know, stuck to having the brides being the, the main focus for going and picking up victims and stuff and doing it that way around that might have been a better way to do it I don't feel uh, they made the best in that respect but, I was know, expecting more mm, from that I was expecting more from the school I was expecting that to become a major plot point instantly we get introduced really, to Mona Washbourne and the girls yeah, yeah and it yeah, just yeah. doesn't become anything does it I have to say when I was watching the film when we were pivoted to the girls school I was like I went yum yum but not in a kind of pervy way in a yep that's f- <laughs> there's the larder there's the larder for the vampire yeah. oh. <laughs> Just for a change, you weren't saying yum yum about a girl's school. That's very good. Uh, But yes, you've seen the larder, eh? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, uh, but yeah. I mean, oh, a bit of two of them. Uh, there was uh, Andre Melly and mm-hmm. there was another girl, wasn't there? Uh, and I can't remember. But it was, yeah, the, I mean, the, the girls' stuff was almost presaging some of the more genteel stuff Hammer started doing at this time. They they toned down the horror a bit in some of their horror films, and that yeah was well. This was a kind of nod towards that direction of things, which was a shame. I, I always think Hammer should not have uh, sort of backed off a little. Uh, well, it says it was. Ex- X-rated on IMDb, but yeah. I read somewhere that obviously the first one, like Dracula, was, was X-rated, and they did tone this down a little bit. You, you get one little bit of blood yeah. in the steak scene, don't you? And the bit with the holy water at the end when it gets thrown over his face, you know, the makeup then is amazing. It's really good, that bit there. Yeah. 
But apart from that, yeah, it is quite gore-free, isn't it, this one? Yeah. Uh, and also the vampires, the, the two vampire women um, at the end are fairly passive. They're just watching what's going on, right? Um, they don't yeah. get involved yeah. at all. But uh, just to go back, though, there's some excellent scenes throughout this film. I mean, mm. that scene where Greta is encouraging the girl to come out of the grave, that was a really powerful scene. I like that. Yeah. I really yeah. like that. You know, that, that that carry moment with the hand coming through the, through the earth. And that. Yes, that was a amazing oh, that stood out for me Steve, yeah I'm, you... no, I'm gonna say just agreeing with you absolutely that the, the slow creeper you know that insidious calling into the earth to try and draw the dead up and then watching slowly as the hand then comes out of the earth and mm. absolutely that that scene i think was a very strong one that really is one of the finest scenes you i think you'll find in in hammer throughout there in, in history to be perfectly honest so you're worth right to highlight it but for every great scene like that you know we just stood out and we're all going yep great absolutely brilliant you get a bat on a string <laughs> yeah <laughs> i did say again after the ending, it was like ah oh, bat on a string great <laughs> Apparently, um, yep. apparently the props department uh, spent a lot of time and energy and a certain amount of money mm. um, doing uh, a really realistic um, bat that w- looked really good as far as uh, putting flight and etc. And apparently it got <laughs> either lost or damaged and they had to within 24 hours try and cobble together no yeah yeah (laughs) this is this is the the story behind the bat on a string well it is appallingly bad I mean Universal did it a bit better than this and uh, yeah (laughs) can you imagine what the Muppet guys could come up with if if you could have been do you know what I mean I mean I know they were a decade old later but you know a lot more convincing Jim Henson's Dracula is something I want to see now (laughs) Oh, there is that great scene there is in the, the Muppet Show. Already, right? There's yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and you've also got when um, Vincent Price appeared on the Muppet Show, and Kermit has fangs, doesn't he? Have you seen yeah, that? everyone yeah. has fangs. Talking about bats on strings. Yeah. Bats on strings is a key part of the Hammer Bingo because we haven't yeah. really had a bat on a string in the Hammer Bingo. No, as I, I yet. put, it, I put it in because I remembered us having bats on strings in the Hammer films, and I put it in there. And then up until now, we've not had any. <laughs> and then it's like, hmm, maybe I remembered that more strongly than they actually, uh, like, actually yeah. did. But, and then it comes now, finally, the long awaiting. Well, yeah. let's mix things up. We normally do the Hall of Fame first, or the Crypt of Fame. Let's do Bob's Full House of Horror. Bob's Full House of Horror, this is our version of Bingo, where Stephen and I sort of selected some of the, the regular tropes that would appear in a Hammer Horror movie. We've, we've put them on cards in Bingo form, and we've now got the bonus card from the person who's in last place, just to try and even things up in this handicap system that we're trying to get in place. And interestingly, at the end of The Man Who Cheated Death, both Mark and I were on 30 points, and Stephen was ahead on 34, so Mark and I are going to take the bonus card today. I've got card number one. No, sorry, Mark's got card number one. I've got card two. Stephen's got three. Can we go numerical order and take Mark first? Here we go, mate. Card number one. Right. Read them out, sir. Right. Pitchfork Villager. No, there's none of that. Right. Ripper. Yes. Yeah. So I'm a one for that. Mad Scientist. No. Uh, Spooky Glow. No. 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 Mm. 
Blood Red Eyes, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, oh, uh, and Good Blonde, Bad Brunette. Nah, there wasn't any of that, was there? No, it was a... There was a Bad yeah. Brunette. No Good Blonde, though. No. Himbo. <laughs> Even I'm struggling to adjust. There was no, though. there was no other male character. No, it was really and... David Peels. Yeah. yeah. So Miles Monson pretty... is not a himbo, right? Nah, Miles Monson. Not in this one, no. <laughs> right, so I've got two there. I've got two there. Because Barbara Shelley was also at the bottom of your card as well, wasn't it? So two, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Barbara Shelley, yeah, yeah. Do you want to take your bonus card as well, mate? Let's have a look at your bonus yeah, card. Yeah, go on so. then. We can, uh, so Kensington Go, yep. Yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. Hat. Now, I'm struggling to remember a specific, but I'm pretty sure the girl was wearing a, the, the girl at the beginning was wearing a hat now and again. In the Does coach. Does remember? Yeah. Yeah, she, she was. was she? In the coach, I'm sure. And the coachman was kind of jaunty, had a jaunt, kind of jaunty. See? I was almost tempted to go Spooky Coachman for that guy at the beginning when we get to Spooky Coachman, but he wasn't really spooky. Grumpy. He was just in a rush, wasn't he? he was just just <laughs> grumpy, grumpy Coachman. Yeah. Okay, jaunty hat we're giving That's you. Kenzie's that, that. Excellent. Ken- fangs, yep. Yep, yeah. definitely saw fangs. Uh, Harold Godwin, Goodwin, no, we didn't have no. any of that. Breathing corpse, no, we didn't see any corpses. Even when I got staked, it was, uh, mm. we didn't see them, so yeah. Hammer Glamour, well, clearly. Pretty much. Blood Bride. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Skeleton or skull? I don't recall any. No, um, his, his skull sort of comes through a little bit when he gets the holy water thrown in his face, but yeah, not, yeah, not bones and such. So no. uh, and uh, the bar pub already. Yep. So there's five on the bonus card and two on your and two. So I've got seven. 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 Seven for Mark. Okay. Okay, number So that'd two. be me now, wouldn't it? Number two. Okay. Yeah. Spooky Coachman. No, we got Grumpy Coachman in a rush in this one. Barbara Shelley. No. Uh, mystery Monster. There was no mystery about this. Uh, well, I'm, I'm gonna back you up here. I, I think the fact is we didn't know he was the vampire. We just saw the manacles. He only mm. revealed as a monster once the manacles came off. Really? Well, Stephen, so, what do you think? That? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's an argument uh, in favour of that which he's just put forward and I, I'm, I'm, I'm not, in, I'm not here to tickle and argue against people getting points basically so um so it, well, I'm, I'm going with you two so i'm going to take the point absolutely thank you very yeah, much yeah, yeah, yeah. bat on a string there it is get the i lose out no james bernard score no i've forgotten one. who scored this uh but yeah. it, wasn't, it, it, no. had, it was bombastic certainly in the trailer mm. but not in the yeah yeah it's that's normally a shoe in for a point james yeah. bernard score yeah. the himbo definitely not as we've said in Inventive crucifix. Uh, well, the ultimate. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. It, it climaxed on an inventive crucifix. Yeah. Amazing bit of uh, end scene stuff. We need to talk about the end scene. Oh, I've got we'll questions about that as well. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Transform terror. <laughs> do people being vampirized become transform terrors or are we talking uh, more? We've got a couple of that. We got three of them, didn't we? We've got the two girls and the mum. Okay. I'm happy yeah. to take that if you're happy to give it so to you me. Got so that's... Four, you got four there and four. five for the bonus as well so 9 so 39 you're on hang on I haven't done the bonus yet no but I did the bonus and you'd get the same wouldn't you oh of course yeah, I'd be yeah. one right five. Yeah. Oh, so 5 yeah. <laughs> yeah I wouldn't get any different points would I of course I wouldn't be <laughs> 
<laughs> so five, you're saying, Mark, yes? <laughs> yes. Five, so, so that puts me on 39. Five, nine, 39. Right. 39, okay. Stevie. So, plunging cleavage, um, I would argue that there's a certain point when um, Andrew Melly, when she's in a nightgown, um, yep. there's a certain, yeah, certain, certain yeah. plunge. Certainly uh, Mark uh, Hunt wasn't. Yeah, no, she wasn't, not this time. And, and again, Miles Mallison decided not to <laughs> um, benefit us of, of his <laughs> for that time. Deformed assistant. No. No, nah, there's no, no deformed assistant. The Ripper, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Ripper, the Ripper, thankfully. Yeah. Yep. Thunder and Lightning. I'm trying I don't remember. remember. I don't remember any. No, there wasn't. No, no, no unfortunately. I don't get away with that one. Uh, no. Spooky Glow, we decided before that there, there wasn't any, and we also, on the good blonde back brunette, I didn't win that one, unfortunately. Yeah. Mystery Monster. Uh, what did we decide yeah. on that one? Yeah, yeah. we decided yeah. on that one. No, we don't have a James Bernard score, unfortunately. So yes, I think I'm pretty light this time round. So yeah, that's, that's, that's uh, is it a three? Yeah, it's a three. It makes you thirty-three. You're on thirty-seven, for Stephen. Thirty-seven. Yeah, which means that's interesting. Stephen and I are last on thirty-seven, and Scott goes into lead with thirty-nine. So you two get the bonus card next time. Yes. That's, I don't Ooh. think I've, I don't think I've not been in the lead for since. Um, I You've been I'm, in the lead all the way through. I think I've been in the lead all the way through. This is the first time I've not been in the lead, yeah. Which is yeah. why we brought in the bonus card, just to try exactly, and hobble yeah. you a bit. <laughs> yeah, handicap, that's what it was, yeah. Yeah, it's worked. Well done, Mark, for it's, it's suggesting worked, that. It's yeah. worked. Yeah, handicap <laughs> systems keep it interesting. And there's only two points between us. Nobody is streaking ahead yeah. on this at all. Okay. It's anyone's race. Excellent. Right, so that is Bob's Full House of Horror. I think it'd be a good time to go into the Crypt of Fame and the Hall of Fame, guys. Let's just take a walk up the path and see what's in there. Stephen, the custodian of the Hall of Fame, and for the Hammer Horror movies, the Crypt of Fame. Not a massive cast list for you this time, mate, I'm assuming. No, it was uh, compared to some of the recent um, mm. other films that we've been doing recently, like Reach for the Sky and, and stuff. It's, it's, it's <laughs> huge. Where, uh, hundreds of people um, that um, a cast of thousands. So, mm. uh, yes, it was a, a bit of a later endeavour this time round. Wonderful. So um, let, let us know who's in there, mate, and who's well, knocking on the with door. With regards to the the hammer, uh, we'll do the hammer first. And mm. with regards to three appearances uh, in hammer films, so getting a, a their own their own a little alcove uh, mm. is uh, Miles Mallison. Uh, <laughs> three so hammers the, uh, wow. and Howard at Hound of Vassals. Of course, yeah, so, yeah, and the tarantula as well. Oh no, no, the tarantula. That, that was it. Yeah, that, no, that was Hound of Vassals, wasn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah. That, I don't think the the the, um, the tarantula's only on uh, two tarantulas, I think. So. Um, <laughs> it, will, it will reappear. He'll get inducted. It will reappear. Yeah. So, uh, we've got four appearances from uh, from two different people. One is Fred mm-hmm. Johnson uh, for uh, *Abominable Snowman*, uh, *Curse of Frankenstein*, and *Creator Mass Experiment*. 
and uh, Michael Mulcaster for Curse of Frankenstein, Hand of the Maskerals, and Revenge of Frankenstein. Yeah. Thankfully, mm-hmm. uh, on the uh, six appearances, uh, we've got two people there as well, two names that we recognise. So, uh, Michael Whipper. The six, uh, yeah. Manuka Cheat Death, Mummy, Quitmas 2, Revenge of Frankenstein, and Ex the Unknown, and then Jimmy Sangster. Yeah. Very, very good pedigree on there as well. Uh, of course. Curse of Frankenstein, Dracula, Manuka Cheat Death, Revenge of Frankenstein, and Ex the Unknown. Uh, then four people with their, their seven Padma appearances Jack Asher, Curse of Frankenstein, Dracula, Hound of the Basketball, Manuka Cheat Death, Mummy, and Revenge of Frankenstein. Peter Cushion, Abominable Snowman, Curse of Frankenstein, Dracula, Hound of Basketballs, Mummy, and Revenge of Frankenstein. Terence Fisher, Curse of Frankenstein, Jack of the Hand of the Basketballs, Manico Cheat, Dev, uh, Mummy and Frankenstein, uh, Revenge of Frankenstein, and Anthony Nelson Keyes as producer. Mm-hmm. Um, with no man, Curse of Frankenstein, Jack of the Hand of the Basketballs, Mummy and Revenge of Frankenstein. Uh, and then uh, just two people with their eighth appearances, which is director uh, Michael Carreras. Mm-hmm. No man, Curse of Frankenstein, Jack of the Hand of Basketballs, <laughs> Mummy. Quirty Master of Revenge of Frankenstein, and then Anthony uh, Hind as the writer with Quirty Frankenstein, Dracula, Hand of the Basketballs, Quirty Master, Quirty Master, Revenge of Frankenstein, and next the unknown. You know, some of those, uh, particularly like producer and writer wise, it's pretty much like all the hammers so far. Eight uh, out maybe. of eleven. Yeah, we've yeah. done eleven so far, so yeah. So uh, that's the high bang, isn't it? Mm. it we're expecting is, it though, yeah. weren't we? We were expecting yeah. the, the the backroom boys to be above yeah. some it's of the, the actors. Burn- and uh, and, yeah. and, and uh, Jack Asher actually early days he will hit, Jack Asher will fall off because he, he's more early hammer than later hammer yeah but um, yeah we may get a bit of a turnaround at some point in the yeah. mid 60s then yeah yeah that's interesting so 8 out of 11 nobody's yeah. got the full so, run but yeah no, wasn't expecting but, uh, it not yet no not at this point but uh, yeah, yeah I'm wondering who's g- yeah I'd bet money on it's either Cushion or Carreras will be the front runners in the end possibly Fisher uh, but I, I reckon think- Ripper's gonna be up there oh yeah, Ripper, yeah. <laughs> the Ripper's gonna be up there top yeah. three at least he's got yeah. to be surely yeah. <laughs> well again he falls off as it gets into mm. later ones but he's yeah. gonna still back quite high before we get to that point yeah uh, it's always interesting I love this but we've also got the wider sort of like view of like the actual 160 plus oh, my goodness. <laughs> luckily Stephen has just hinted that the cast list wasn't as big as previous cast but I bet you still had your work cut out for this month there was still uh, a, a few to go through yeah if you don't want to read out all the titles it's, no it's please fine I'll, yeah, I'll, if you want to... I'll read the titles out but I'll, I'll miss out the Hammer ones I've already mentioned so uh, just as, as far as second appearances we've got Vera Cook who was in, in a Hammer production but it wasn't a, a Hammer horror it was Cash on Demand oh uh, Marie Devereux was in The Rebel and uh, Harry Pringle was in Free Hats for Lisa so they're Harry Pringle Waiting in the vestibule to actually mm-hmm. uh, get a full um, entrance. Norman Pierce does actually get a full uh, entry into the village hall now, uh, for in which we serve and went the day well to cracking films. He'll he'll, cra- he'll cop up again, mate. He's he's got loads of movies under his belt. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, fourth appearances, we've got Victor Brooks for Night to Remember. So somebody from Night to Remember. Uh, Sapphire and Violent Playground, uh, Walter Henry for Eagle Has Landed, Heavens Above and Sweeney, uh, Martita Hunt, uh, oh, XFR for Parents for Admiral Crichton, uh, Bunny Lake is Missing and Wicked Lady, and uh, the aforementioned Michael Mulcaster who has 
three uh, Hammer Horrors to his credit. Mm-hmm. Um, and Fred Johnson, um, as previously mentioned, has uh, a number of Hammer, um, but his um, his fifth appearance added onto the Hammers is he was in Scrooge, Mona Washburn as well <coughs> appearances. Um, so. Uh, Doctor in the House, Dunkirk, If and Heal to the Night. Terence Fisher, as previously mentioned, with the seventh appearances. And Jack Asher is now on eight because, additional to his Hammer Horrors, he also mm. did Reach for the Sky. Ah, ooh, sneaky. Okay. So, uh, and, and that's the same for uh, Anthony uh, Nelson Keyes. Um, mm-hmm. He had the, all the Hammers that were previously mentioned, plus Reach for the Sky. Um, nine appearances in total, though, for Michael Ripper. As he uh, additional to what we've mentioned previously, he also mm. had Reach of the Sky. He also had Prize to Arms and Yield to the Night. Ah, oh, okay. Wow, okay. Uh, he's, he's there because you know, I remember us saying about him in um, uh, Reach for the Sky uh, and going, oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah. everywhere. So, Nearly double figures. Excellent. Absolutely, okay. yeah. Uh, Michael Carreras, uh, 10 appearances just because we add into the hammers. Um, mm hmm. Uh, cash on demand. Peter Cushion as well gets the addition uh, for 11 films, gets the addition of Cash on Demand uh, as well as Doctor Who and uh, Lolita as well as uh, Violent Playground. So uh, it's up there. And then finally, the most overall appearances is uh, Miles Mallison. Um, so, um, which uh, 39 Steps, Admiral Crichton, Dead of Night, Dracula, Gideon's Day, Heavens Above, Hand of the Basketballs, uh, Man Who Never Was, Peeping Tom, Pirate's Progress, Scrooge, and Train of Events. How many is that? Uh, that's 13. 13? Right. He must be sort of top five then, because... Yeah, yeah, top five it is. is uh, not, obviously, the top is, is uh, heavily dominated by people with a certain surname. Um, <laughs> uh, and then and then some of them... But no, yeah, I think he's. I think he is actually on five from the top series. Yeah, anybody that hits over 12, they are top tier, aren't they? We've sort of yeah, worked absolutely. out now. Yeah, we, we, you know, expect to them regardless of, of what the actual uh, digit is. Um, that, that many appearances is amazing. I don't want you to go back and sort of like try and scan all of these through again, but have any of the Harringtons or the Standevens and all those guys appeared in the Hammer Horror? No, as far as I'm aware. They're appeared in every point, other movie they, apart from a Hammer production. At, at I, this I, point, I'm think, just... Go on, um, what, what we think. I, I was going to say, I think the Duchess is in a Hammer, but I can't remember which one. That's a point, yes. That's a point. Oh, I think she, she does... She does, yeah. But um, as you say, the the Harringtons Harring, and the Harring, Stevens and no, they. It's interesting, paid, isn't it? Why, not why, do you, any. why do you think that is? Is it because they were permanently working at Elstree or somewhere or Pinewood and they just didn't have a chance to get over to Bray? You know, it's just like just can't can't fit them in. Yeah, I just don't think they let them out. I think they were just chained <laughs> to the chained to the uh, in the studio, and so they were uh, they were like you know part of literally part of the scenery in, yeah. in the studios. So you know they would just put the right costume on them, so they were in the background, and and I think maybe they would. They were actually just ghosts that were actually, you know, <laughs> not able to leave the premises. That's something like that. Well, um, I'll tell you what. We'll have a bonus to the bonus card that if Victor Harrington appears in a hammer, <laughs> you can have a point. We'll let you have a point if Victor <laughs> Harrington appears. Why not, but, eh? <laughs> that's, that's strange because I say, they're so prolific and have appeared in every other movie and they're not cropping up in any hammer product. And it is weird in that you could understand it if there was more of what the American system uh, with the studio system where mm. people were contracted and, and they weren't 
moving around to different studios, but it wasn't as strong. Maybe with some of the, the major stars, there might have been some contracts early on in British cinema, but certainly that level, they were, you know, they wouldn't be contracted to, to work. So whether it was no. just, they were doing one gig and while they were there, they said, oh, you know, just stick around. You can be in the next film. Just stick <laughs> around. Just another next. one. Yeah. And, and yeah, just, just, uh, just, uh, can you just come next door? Uh, and they didn't have time to go. Put on this hat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they, they could only walk to the nearest studio and they couldn't travel all the way down to uh, Hammerwood. But. Um, oh, no, I don't, but, I don't think we're going to see a Harrington. I don't think. Um, <laughs> be interested. We, we'll be looking out now. Yeah, I'll just check the Duchess, mm-hmm. uh, Marianne Stone. She does appear in two of. She appears in more than two Hammer films, but in terms of gothic horror, she's yeah. in. Uh, I think Curse of the Mummy's Tomb and Countess Dracula, which we haven't covered yet. So Later, so yeah, late 60s. Oh, she's going to be there then. At least we've got her. Okay. Thank you, Stephen, for doing that, as always. A little bit easier this time around. Yeah, it was uh, a bit of relief to <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the ending, but does anybody want to touch on anything else before we head that way? Yeah, I'll just go back again about the strength mm. of the women's performances. Yeah. This is probably the strongest performance from a woman in all a hammer. Gre- Gre- talking about Greta, Frida Jackson as Greta. She does stand Really up, yeah. terrific. Uh, there's only other couple of other hammer films where I think there are strong women. Uh, the, the women are allowed to give a strong performance, let's mm. put it that way, because they're kind of very much secondary characters throughout most of the Hammer. Uh, that, that is Ingrid Pitt in Countess Dracula. Yes. is a strong performance. And Martine Beswick in... Uh, and the title makes it sound ridiculous, but actually <laughs> she's very good in this. Uh, Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde. Of course. Um, those are the only other two I can really think of uh, as, as strong performances. There's what also a... some quite good, strong, powerful performances in both Quatermass and the Pit and... Oh, The Devil Rides Out. But yeah. I think the ones I've said are the main... Where they're central characters, let's put it that way. What about Valerie Leon in is it Curse of the Mummy yeah I mean she's okay yeah, but the but role you know a better actress would I don't want to say anything bad about it let me <laughs> think how to phrase this yes yes that's that's an interesting one but in terms of sort of having to deliver a strong performance I think mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, Greta didn't have to be a strong performance it would have worked okay without that but the fact is she brought it for this it stood out and, and not a great deal of screen time as well when you no, look at the whole no really memorable and, and, and powerful and, and as you guys both mentioned that particular scene where she's summoning yeah, you know, the coming out of the, the grave, grave. Yeah. encouraging the vampire to come out like she yeah. was born to it it was amazing yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree with that shall we head towards the ending yeah inventive crucifixes holy water Cushing getting bitten yeah. I mean, what a what a fantastically dynamic performance from Cushing, jumping all over the place, mm. um, doing that, selling the fact that he, he stuck something on his neck, you know, the the, the brand on his neck and mm. getting rid of it. I also really like. There's a just before the ending, there's a where he first kind of confronts uh, the Baron. The flourish he does with the crucifix, he just pulls it out, boom! <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing turn. Um, <laughs> Uh, he's so alpha in this. Uh, he does yeah. the, in both Frankenstein and Van Helsing roles. He's so so alpha compared to everyone else. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, Stephen, you were going to say, mate, it's just you know just yeah. an incredible That's... performance from Cushing, isn't it? It is absolutely the the action side of him, which you know a lot of people look back on him and see him as being you know obviously we know he was very cultured and and um, a gentle soul in real life as a as a person. And to see 
him not being this just this scholarly figure um, on screen and, and in some respects some you know sort of more uh, avuncular he's actually suddenly you know throwing himself into to action you know I think putting to shame people like Tom Cruise who do the worst things um, <laughs> yeah true because <laughs> you know there, there wouldn't have been anything near the level of, of health and safety and everything etc put in you know this is why we hear stories about him and Christopher Lee in fairness doing bits and pieces and end up you know having to complete the film with an injury because they've decided to, to throw themselves body and soul into the film and the stunts it shows really you know what we had when we had those two but mm. yeah this this it, it does the action and sets it off incredibly well and with the background is what you said earlier of the sets being so archetypal um, yeah. which they are it's fantastic that the way that it's, it's been done and I think this is a culmination of a number of bits of previous Hammer films coming together to create one of the best examples as, as Mark points out. It's just amazing because you've got everything. You've got superhuman Van Helsing you know, leaping about, as Mark said. We've got flames. You can't have an, an, an ending to a Hammer movie without something being set on fire. Yeah, it was scary. Those flames were scary. Yeah. Wow, was, that little time twist. It was that should scary. be on a bingo card as well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, flaming, flaming, flaming ending. ending. Yeah. <laughs> How did the whole thing about Cushing curing himself with the brand and the holy water sit with you guys? I mean, have, have they upset the folklore a bit here of the history of vampires? Or Because is, is, is that ever brought back in another movie? Is the only time we see it? Um, I think there's other films where people do cure themselves. I mean, right. basically, they all to the law to sue there are definitely I mean I'm thinking of Near Dark the guy has to be bitten three times before he comes oh, to the vampire okay. yeah. and the Lost Boys as a similar true. kind of yeah. thing so yeah. this does reoccur decades later uh, okay. I think it's terrific I think it's absolutely terrific mm. um, yeah really really powerful I think the folklore is very difficult because there is some of this does spoil the, the folklore of what they previously uh, have been set out particularly within just, just within Hammer Unfortunately, but uh, you know there are various bits where not everybody who gets bitten by a, you know gets fed on by a vampire becomes a vampire, um, and mm. whether they've got to spit back into it basically or or, or do any any magical right over them or anything like that. But if you go into the folklore, then uh, seemingly at one point it was set up that if you killed the first vampire, then all the rest of them would either die themselves or would be cured. But surely Dracula had already been killed, so where did these other ones that we had in this film come from? It was, you know, so, um, I think you have to basically fall back on the whole thing that um, I remember many, many, many years ago watching the Red Dwarf Smegups going through readers' letters and stuff, and, and one of the answers to the questions was, um, "It's just a TV series." Um, that's, why, that's why the continuity, uh, that's why the continuity or the rules don't don't apply because uh, it's all dramatic license because it is just a story. Brilliant. Um, so I think you know to some extent if it if it enhances the film and makes the film work, then we just ignore that there's a continuity upset with yeah yeah. It serves the plot. I have to say, there was an entirely different ending plan for this film. Um, okay. So this fantastic ending we got, uh, and I have to just say, so people define classic films as films where one of the definitions of a classic film is where every scene is good, but there's at least three great scenes. Now, that's not true of this. There's mm-hmm. scenes in this which aren't good. Uh, however, there are two classic scenes. The Greta, uh, you know, coming out of yep. the grave, and this ending. This is a classic ending for it. One of the great endings of a hammer film in my opinion however the original ending had Van Helsing summoning up using black magic uh uh 
a load of vampire bats to attack. Oh. Um, Peter Cushing flat out refused. He said Van Elsen would not indulge in black magic. It's just not right. That's yeah. not going to happen. They did repurpose that in a film called Kiss of the Vampire, which we'll get to. But this was basically an entirely different ending from the original plan. It works. Yeah. It certainly works. It's, it's one of the more memorable endings. You know, those inventive crucifix endings are always stick in your mind. And again, sort of playing a bit with the folklore, does that mean that vampires are frightened of anything that's like cross-shaped? You know, because it isn't a physical crucifix, it's just the shadow of a cross. You know? Yeah. But again, as Stephen said, it's only a movie, so yeah. we move, we can do what we want. But then, it, is it, because we've had candlesticks put together and yeah. and, and, and things, <laughs> and is it, it, no, again, if you get into discussions about potential, if there was reality behind it and the reasoning uh, behind these things, would it be that the intention of making the cross was to basically summon the power of Christ, mm. um, and that's why it has an effect when Cushing does it with the uh, windmill, rather than it just being any crossed over two lines. It's only when somebody has got the will behind it to, to be summoning. Yeah, um, I, I think yeah. you're spot on there. It's the <laughs> deliberate invocation of the crucifixion. <laughs> Uh, I, d- I, d- I just want to know would it would it work with fingers? You know, if you've done a cross with your fingers, <laughs> well, it, it, it works. <laughs> I, I think I've seen that in a film. That's what I was like, thinking. Crosses yeah. the fingers, uh, but, but, you but you've got to do it. You've got to do it up, upright and and, and uh, horizontal <laughs> because if you do it diagonally, then you're just summoning Saint Andrew, and he's not <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a completely different story. I think it's more like the Holy uh, was was like uh, was the most damaging thing to the vampire, and, and the the vocation of a crucifix is what finished it off is how yeah. I read it and, and that holy water the, the makeup in the face was, was yeah. great as well that yeah, really terrific. sort of finished it off nicely yeah um, top tier hammer for me it's definitely a favourite of you two as well I can tell from your enthusiasm it's, it's a great one this isn't it yeah yeah. I mean it's got its weak spots and it's weak plotting but there's just iconic moments that make you those are what you remember uh, from this mm. film right yeah but I think it's got subtleties in it that are easy to miss when you've got a hammer you're watching it for the spectacle you, you're enjoying the romp and to some extent the camp in it and that's all, all fine and you get some of that in this but there's subtleties in this as we said with little bits of dialogue that, that are just the end of a sentence before it cuts to another scene that are going oh that was interesting or you know when when they're in the inn and uh, Matty to Hunt is about to take her away to the, the castle and just in the background, that the innkeeper and his wife, that they're they're acting incredibly well with the sort of oh, how do we tell her we can't stop her from going? What do we do with and the conflict yeah. on on their faces? That didn't need to be there, but it was because people were just like trying to do a good job in in this mm. thing. And as I said, for me, the only, only real weak link I didn't feel that um, David Peel was was up to it, but um, but otherwise, no, this is absolutely top tier. Um, and and people need to make time for it and not just rewatch the regular ones that people normally think. Yeah, it's, it's it's overlooked, isn't it, to a certain degree? This one, I feel, it's not spoken about as much as some of the others. Also overlooked and not spoken about the double bill that this was with was a film called The Leech Woman. Um, oh, it's right. an, an American B movie. But, you, but you're married to her. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> The plot actually sounds quite familiar. The, the, tagline, the tagline, she drained men. I think I've been of, out with her. Yeah. Yeah, well, listen to this. The tagline is, she drained men of their loves and their lives. 
She sounds fantastic. <laughs> I'm checking. It, it, to, to give you some idea of how probably bad this movie is, it was featured on Mystery Science Theatre 3000 oh, at one point, so you know that they're going to be ripping the pee out of that or something. She, she drained men of what? What was it? Their loves and their lives. What, every uh, night? Apparently so. <laughs> um, in the savage heat of the jungle, she found the forbidden secret of eternal youth as well. So, oh I'm, I'm looking at that. I'm going back and having a look at that one. Okay. <sighs> <laughs> we won't be reviewing The Leech Woman next time, but next time sees the return of Christopher Lee. Back after this. <laughs> Brides of Dracula from 1960. Our next movie is also from 1960. And as I said, it features Christopher Lee, but he's not the star of this. And Mark only watched this for the first time recently for the Good, the Bad and the Odd podcast. Directed by Terence Fisher, starring Paul Massey, who we know as, as the lead, well, not the lead, as, as the romantic lead in The Rebel, is the two faces of Dr. Jekyll. Mark, tell us about the two faces of Dr. Jekyll. What do you remember? Um, it? It's a second, it feels like a second unit job. Uh, mm. in the, I think, I could be wrong. I'm trying to remember. Was it Terence Fisher or did someone else direct? I think someone it's else. It's got Terence Fisher as director. It's my it's mistake. Yeah. But it doesn't got the look and feel. So I'm going to guess it's not Jack Asher. But I could be wrong. No, it is. It's Jack Asher. Um, Michael Carreras. Wolf Mankiewicz is the screenplay. Right. It doesn't look quite like. It hasn't quite got the gothic look that the others mm-hmm. have. However, it's surprisingly good. I was quite surprised how good this was. I wasn't expecting it to be much. Uh, and uh, it. Uh, I don't want to big out too much but uh, mm. I quite enjoyed it and I think it was I think the lead I was surprised how good the lead was because I, I only massive, know him yeah. from Rebel and I'm used to him as that kind of sort of milk toast kind of character <laughs> uh, but he delivers on this yeah I, I like this one well we know from it's Sapphire as well Sapphire, didn't we yeah yeah. Say, yeah Um, have you seen this one Stephen I don't think I have I have yeah, you have I, I actually uh, I've seen it within the, the last three or four months I think um, because it was on television, you know, I can only watch terrestrial, so um, it, was Course, on, uh, yeah. it was on television, and I, I I happened upon it. I didn't see it all the way through; that I only part, caught it part way through. Uh, so I was hoping you were going to say because it was on the good, the bad, and the odd. <laughs> After his blinding review, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cameo by Oliver Reed, it says here as well. Is that right? Oh, yeah, he's one of the yep. um, carousers. Yes, yes. Excellent. Francis the Wolf's in it. Francis the Wolf in it, yeah. yeah. Famous yeah. face that we're more than familiar with. And David Kossoff. Yes, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm... yeah, David Kossoff. You don't see much of the. I mean, it's in some interesting British films for sure. David yeah. Um, but he, um, I think this might have also almost been a screen test for Oliver Reed uh, going into The Werewolf. Because that's coming. Up, isn't it? That'd be the one after. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Okay, that's it for this week. That's the Brides of Dracula. Big thank you to Stephen for the Hall of Fame, the Crypt of Fame. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Mr. Uh, big thank you for Mark for joining us for these special Hammer shows. Thank you, mate. Yeah, it was great. I really, yeah, like I say, this is my favourite Dracula, so I was really keen to come on. I like all Hammer films, though, so, mm. you know, they're all a pleasure. Oh, good. I thought, I thought you were going to say this was your favourite, so that's it. You're not going to appear Yeah, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> no, it's my favourite Dracula <laughs> Hammer. It's, there are Hammer films that are better than this, I think. Yeah, but yeah. This is my, my favourite Dracula, without Dracula as well. Okay, <laughs> excellent. Guys, I'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Hand up, sir. I'm sick of beans. <laughs>